This is 1050 AM KCAA Loma Linda and 106.5 FM Yucaipa. I'm Scott Knutson with the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show here weekly, Wednesdays, 6 p.m. Pacific on KCAA. And I love American history. Who doesn't? I enjoy reading about those early pioneers that left family and friends in the East and headed to the West in hopes of making their fortunes. The stories captured the minds and are a great example of the American spirit that made this country great. The state of California had its beginnings up in a little mountain town in Northern California called Truckee. The immigrants on their way west went right through what is now downtown along the old Dutch flat wagon road. The story of this old Wild West town is a fascinating one. And if you're interested like I am in these old stories, you might want to take a look at taking the haunted Truckee Ghost Walk. It's definitely not your typical ghost hunting adventure, but rather takes you back in the dates of California's earliest beginnings. Next time you're up there, check it out. Tickets and information are available on their website, hauntedtruckee.com. People are loving this tour and it's receiving some great reviews. Again, the website to get tickets is hauntedtruckee.com. Getting a degree at Tarleton State University doesn't mean going it alone your family from the moment you arrive with faculty and staff dedicated to your success and personal growth. Explore more than 100 undergraduate and graduate degree options in Stephenville, Fort Worth, Waco, Midlothian, Rellis Bryan, and online. Scholarships are available. Discover what it means to be a Texan. Visit tarleton.edu forward slash become a Texan. This is Scott Knutson with the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show, heard Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Pacific on KCAA. So we're going to talk to some, about something right now that's so important to us men. I'm going to talk about underwear for a second. Think about it. Women have everything. Men had either the 12-pack for $20 or the high-priced kind we can maybe only wear for a special occasion, if ever. It's time to upgrade from the packs. Wood underwear. Yes, I said wood underwear. It's a great place to start. And there is wood in the fabric. It's wood that makes wood special. And yes, you're hearing a lot of puns. Kind of funny, but it's serious. It's pretty intentional. They are having some fun with the name. Wood wants to get every man into a great pair of underwear that he can feel and look great in. And feel great about the price as well. My friends at Wood did something for the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. They want you to try it. So use Cowboy Brief at checkout on Wood Underwear. Woodunderwear.com, Cowboy Brief, 20% off your first order. Good until August 31st. Hi, welcome to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. I'm your host, Scott Knudsen, with a very special guest, best-selling author, Robin Hutton. And she wrote the book, Sergeant, Sergeant Reckless, America's War Horse. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Scott. It is a privilege and an honor to be here. It truly is. Oh, Robin, thank you for telling such an amazing story. I just love history and I love horses. And oh. you put them together. Well, listen, you know, you can't, this is such a great story. And the fact that you can't beat it because it's true, uh, it makes it all the better. And uh, I've just been very blessed to have this little horse in, uh, in my life. And uh, boy, she couldn't be more real to me if she was grazing in my backyard. So um, it's just been a wonderful ride, excuse the pun. But uh, boy, this little pony has just uh, changed my life in ways I never could have imagined. That's so great. So what led you to Sergeant Reckless? What started the uh, passion? Well, I'll tell you the short story. And one time I'll tell you the long story another when we have more time. But uh, I discovered her story in a book called Chicken Soup for the Horse Lover's Soul. I had was having writer's block. I was working on another project and I was having writer's block. And I pulled that book off of my bookshelf to get inspiration. And in there was the story of Reckless. And I'm like, well, who's this horse and why have I never heard about her? Because it was clearly the greatest horse story I had ever come across. And this was in 2006 and I Googled her name and only four things came up on the internet. She had vanished from the pages of history. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And, and so uh, I did some research the first year. So it took me six years, uh, six, seven years to research and write the book and then a year to get it published. 
And uh, so it, it, because I had to track down the men that served with her and find them and get their pictures and get their personal stories. There really wasn't a lot out there in, um, uh, in the collective uh, or the archives didn't even have a lot of information on her. So it's filled with their personal stories. But I actually wrote the script first because I thought this would make a heck of a movie, you know? Yeah, I was thinking that. Oh my gosh, you know? So I wrote the script and this was in 2009 and just as I was getting ready to shop it, Steven Spielberg announces War Horse and I can't get a meeting in Hollywood. And I'm like, of course, Steven, I thought he found my story, you know, and I'm, Scott, I am hyperventilating. Oh, I mean, no. I'm like, oh, and I am, I am just pacing around my office thinking, oh my God, Steven's doing my movie, you know, but thankfully it was not my movie, but I still couldn't get a meeting. So I thought, okay, God, not on your, not, this is not your timetable. Let me fade back. Let me get my book written. Let me get a couple of monuments built. Let me show the world that this story is a great one and people hunger for this kind of story. And so um, now that the book's been out and I have five monuments, two reckless uh, around the country, I'm now going to uh, work at uh, trying to get her movie done. And that's the next thing on my bucket list that I'm going to put up on my vision tree. <laughs> awesome. That'd be great. I can see it being a movie. This is an incredible story. And just, just the tagline alone, she wasn't a horse, she was a Marine. Yeah. So yeah. very strong. And to see the the uh, military, uh, what they say about her and the videos on, on, on those social media about how they feel. Yeah. yeah. That's very strong. Yeah, it, it truly is. One of my favorite videos that is out there is, I actually have it up on our Sergeant Reckless website, um, is from uh, Brigadier General Kevin Calais. And he was the commanding general at Camp Pendleton when we de dedicated the monument for Camp Pendleton. And boy, you know, he gets up there and he's standing in front of the monument and he's telling her story. And having a top brass Marine give, you know, the military lingo behind it, you know, it's like, oh my God, you know, it just, it really is something special to watch. And uh, I just feel very, very blessed for all of the press that she gets. And especially like around the holidays, I, I always, I can tell by the orders I get in my store that her story had to post somewhere because all of a sudden people are really, you know, excited about her and want to uh, order things and, and learn more about about her so it's really really cool wow once i hear the story you just you just have to learn more about her it's just yeah. so interesting it's such a great story so how did the marines come to find sergeant reckless how did that happen well you know it's interesting uh she was owned by uh, a young korean man called uh, named kim huck moon and actually kim was a jockey and he owned her dam so when reckless was born the story goes that her dam died and so he didn't uh, he was very distraught um uh so he he wasn't really connected with reckless for the first year or so of her life but one day he was at the soul racetrack and he saw her and reconnected with her and um this was before the war started and uh so he took her he took her under his wing again so he was going to race her is what he really wanted to do she was born in 1948 but when the war broke out in 1950 racing was suspended and so she became a cart horse and um but he took such care of her he made sure that the, her sores around her neck you know from from you know hauling all of this stuff were taken care of and he loved this horse and so it was uh in uh, uh october of 1952 that there was a, a mission uh with uh, the recoilless rifle platoon that was the gun that she carried the ammunition for and there was a uh, uh, Lieutenant uh, Eric Pedersen, who was the commanding officer of the Recoilless Rifle Platoon, uh, saw what carrying those rounds of ammunition did to his men during this particular mission. And he was a horseman, and he uh, decided when he, he saw how hard it was to carry the gun up the hill and all of these rounds, each round weighed 24 pounds, and it was a big canister, quite a large canister. And so a man could only carry two, maybe three on his back if he was lucky and big. Uh, and he couldn't make that many trips up and down because that was a lot of weight for him to be carrying. And so it really wore out his men. So he got permission to go to, go to the sole racetrack and look for a pack animal. And he didn't care if it was a horse, a mule, whatever he could find. 
And uh, there he found uh, Reckless. And, and uh, in the book, it says when he saw her, she had the eye of an eagle, you know, and he, he said that she was just such a beautiful, dainty little thing. She's only like 13 hands high, um, and just over 13. And uh, we think that she is a Jeju pony mixed with a thoroughbred, and that's called a Hallahorse. Oh. And um, the Hallahorse, they do race in South Korea as well. So uh, Lieutenant Peterson paid $250 of his own money to buy this horse for his men. And uh, the only reason Kim Huck Moon sold his beloved horse was to buy an artificial leg for his sister who lost hers in a landmine accident. And so his loss, his incredible loss, was the Marine Corps gain because, boy, what she did in these battles, there's no way to tell or to calculate the number of lives she saved just by the fact that she was able to carry so much ammunition and keep the guns so well supplied, even to the point of crystallizing on a couple of these missions, and uh, even carried wounded off the battlefield. So, um, you know, it's, it's just amazing. But... When she came into camp, it was really cute. You know, she'd never been in a trailer before, so they had to train her to get into the trailer. They put her through hoof camp, which is the equine version of boot camp, you know? And so she had to be taught to get down uh, and get under communication wire, step over things. And um, she got so good with the commands with her uh, partner, uh, Joe Latham, that was training her. He could give her hand signals and she would know what to do. And uh, from across the battlefield, which was really great because sometimes the noise was so bad, the guys couldn't hear each other talk, let alone, you know, converse at any, at any distance. And so it really, uh, really was something. So they put her through, uh, they put her through a hoof camp and taught her the things that she needed to know. And she needed to get to know English commands, you know, because there weren't any Koreans uh, there. Sure. So really, she was a very, very smart horse, and uh, it's said that she only had to be told something once or twice, and she got it down, so. That's just amazing. She was really brave. You know, like, yeah. out post Vegas, yeah, the five days, and she going up the one day, I think, in the book, it was, what, 50-something times? She yeah, went 51 times. Yeah, 51 that's times just, she made the trip. Most of the time by herself, yeah. That's just amazing. That's, see, that right there, just by herself, is incredible, and she's carrying ammunition up and bringing people down. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. I know it's hard to know how many wounded she carried down. In my book, I have three verified instances, at least three, uh, of of wounded or people seeing her carried wounded and and all of that. But the fact that, and you would know more about this than I do, I had to find out about this to try to say. Horses usually run from chaos, and this kind of chaos, when there was, especially with Outpost Vegas, and it was, it was called the most, one of the most fierce battles in Marine Corps history at that time. And you think of the battles that you've seen during World War II or uh, Bella Wood, World War One, and to think that these battles were as fierce. I mean, the radar, there was so much incoming and outgoing, they were colliding midair and raining down on the troops. And the radar, they didn't know what was coming and what was going, it was just a blur. So for her to do this, and I, I asked, um, I asked some people what, why she did it. What did she do? I asked uh, Bob Miller, who's a horse uh, veterinarian out here. I said, why did she do that? And he said, the Marines became her herd, and she would follow them anywhere. And so that was the whole thing. They, they took such care of her. She trusted them implicitly. She absolutely adored them. They adored her. And um, she was such a valuable part of the unit that they would throw their flak jackets over her to protect her when she would go up to the gun sites, you know, and, and uh, protect them from any kind of shrapnel or uh, ammunition that was coming at them. So it really was something else. But to think that in the Battle of Outpost Vegas, she made the 51 trips, she carried 386 rounds of ammunition on her back. That's over 9,000 pounds, Scott, you know, almost five tons. You know, yeah, a horse, you know, and um, she was wounded twice, um, got hit in the forehead and the left flank. She walked over 35 miles up and down the hills and across open rice paddies uh, in full view of the enemy fire. Um, and so it was just uh, amazing what she was able to do uh, in this battle. And, uh, Boy, she, she really, uh, there's no wonder uh, or reason you can see why she was listed in Life Magazine as one of her all-time greatest heroes.
Absolutely. So that would be two purple hearts, correct? Yes, she sure did. She got yeah. she got everything that the men received: the Good Conduct Medal, uh, two purple hearts, everything that they got. And she is the only animal to hold an official ranking in any branch of the military. And eventually she was a staff sergeant, uh, but uh, in Korea she, she became a sergeant and she, the promotion was bestowed upon her on the battlefield by uh, General Rand McCall Pate, who later became the Commandant of the Marine Corps. And he was the one that pinned her staff sergeant stripes on her at Camp Pendleton. But, you know, some people say, well, Sergeant Stubby, the dog from World War One, you know, he was a sergeant. And I'm like, no, that's not an official rank that was kind of bestowed upon him right. from people that actually loved him or, you know, thought he deserved it and things like that. But uh, Reckless, Reckless actually held that rank. And if she outranked you, you could not lead her in a parade. And uh, it was really oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I, know. I know it's really cute. It, it really is, you know. So well, she earned her respect. That's for sure. Yes, she did. She really did. And she she earned the love and respect of the men that she served with, and then went on to become this beloved figure that uh, they would bring out at parades or special events, and you know, let people see her and meet her and um, everything like that. And uh, it was just really cool. That's so cool. And you can just tell the, the people that served with her or have been around her or read the stories how much passion there is. Yes. And yeah. one of the funny things, all the serious stories of going up the hills, well, she ate everything, it seems. Oh, my gosh. Could you tell everybody just kind of what she loved? Oh, my God. Okay. So, you know, she'd eat in the mess tent with them, right? She loved bacon and eggs. She'd chase it down with a cup of coffee. She'd eat Hershey bars. She'd, she would eat anything and everything. She loved to drink beer, have a share of beer after a, a hard day's work or a, a very big mission. And, uh, you know, the fact that this horse didn't colic is, is just amazing. I mean, she even, she even ate at one point um, an ammo clip. And it loosened her teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you? I just can't believe that. And um, uh, and then she also on the trip home from Korea when they were bringing her to America, she um, she had lost her appetite because she got seasick and she was almost washed overboard. And uh, um, uh, once she gained her appetite, though, she ended up eating her blanket. And so, and the chevrons and the ribbons that were on the blanket. So they had just, men had to scramble when she landed to get an, another blanket made for her so she could meet her public, oh you know, and, and I, I know, so it's really kind of funny, but, uh, you know, she was just this uh, amazing character, really amazing yeah, character. Definitely, definitely just a brave hero kind of character. Yeah, really. yeah. There's just not enough words to describe her, and the stories are so so great, and I'm so glad you found yeah. this and shared it. Oh, thank you. You know, it's been my honor to meet these men uh, that uh, were with her, you know, and to hear them tell their stories. Some of them didn't tell their stories for years, and the one uh, man in the book, uh, Art Sickler, he had never told his the story and he took care of her for over two years at Camp Pendleton. And he's the one that got her, you know, got her feet, um, you know, her hooves fixed. And he, 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 I don't know all the horse lingo, but he, he floated her teeth and he, he just had this beautiful spray that he would put on her for her coat to make it shiny. And he just took such good care of her. And um, his daughter found some pictures on his desk one day and uh, he started telling her about the story. And she goes, oh my gosh, let's Google it. Let's, let's just see what's going on. Well, they found me and he called me thankfully just a couple of months before I was sending my book to uh, um, uh, finishing up on my book. And it was before the uh, dedication of the very first monument. And so he called me and he gave me his stories and you could hear the crackle. All of these men, when they would talk about her, you could hear the crackle in their voice. Um, and when you talk with them in person, when they talk about her, their face gets red, the eyes well up with tears. Their love for this horse is palpable even today. And uh, that's, that's what makes this so special. And so to get their stories and then for them to send me their Polaroids that they had, or if the men had died like uh, Pedersen, Eric Pedersen had passed away and so had Joe Latham by the time I was writing my book, but I was able to reach out to their children and Joe Latham's daughter sent me 
all of her dad's pictures and all of these uh, all of these things and it was just such a blessing to you know go through these and touch them and oh my gosh you know it's like it it was really truly blessed i'm truly very very blessed with that absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely i just love it it's just it's history that you're bringing back to life and that's what's so important <laughs> the monuments i mean around the country correct i know right. the one in fort worth at the cowgirl have you seen that one? I saw you were at the stockyards. No, uh, I didn't see it, but oh. I, I wasn't in that area, but I'm going to go back. I'm there a lot. I'm going to make a special trip just to look. Oh, great. It's in between the Calgary Museum and the Dickies Museum, uh, the Dickies right. Arena. It's right there at uh, and Alice Walton Park. And it's absolutely stunning. Uh, oh, she's just so gorgeous. And see, what I like to say about Reckless is she's an ambassador for all of those that served. And so by learning her story, you learn about the men that served with her. Absolutely. So the very fact that we have five monuments now, and one, the first one was at Quantico, Virginia, um, at the National Museum of the Marine Corps. Uh, that was in 2013. Uh, in 2016, we put up Camp Pendleton, because that's where she lived out her days and is buried. Uh, the third one is at the Kentucky Horse Park in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, the fourth one is at a, uh, I've not seen it yet, but it's at a horse uh, farm in Barrington Hills, Illinois, that works with veterans with PTSD. And so she's a symbol for them uh, to, you know, uh, as a veteran herself to, because uh, she suffered from PTSD as well. Uh, and so that's a really cool one. And then the fifth one that we just did is, uh, it was at the National Cowgirl Museum in Fort Worth. So we have a sixth one that's going up at the World Equestrian Center sometime in 2021 in Ocala, Florida. So wow, congratulations. Very, yeah, very, very excited, uh, excited about that one. And then maybe South Korea. We're working on South Korea as well. So um, uh, we're hopeful. So we'll see, you know, Absolutely. The store. but, uh, so we have her kind of placed all around the country so people can find their closest one and go see her. And, you know, there's a little bit of tail hair. I had some of Reckless's tail hair given to me by, uh, uh young, uh, she was just a child at the time when Reckless was there, but Debbie McCain took care of Reckless and, uh, Reckless's Colts, uh, Fearless, Dauntless, and Chesty. She knew Chesty as well. And Debbie had um, some of Reckless's uh, shoes, her horseshoes, and also some of her tail hair. So with each monument, I always stick at the last minute a little piece of some of her tail hair up there. So there's a little piece of Reckless at each one of Very them. Very so, cool. Yeah, it, it just makes my heart feel good. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I love the fact that you started not knowing anything about it. Now it's spread across yeah. the country. And that's yeah. Well, the, the cow, Cowboys and Indians did a beautiful article back in 2011. And when finally this hit, um, and this was two years before the monument came out, and uh, when it hit, suddenly my video that I had up on Reckless on, on my website went from 7,500 views to 75,000 in just a couple of days, you know? And so then all of a sudden it's, it just started exploding all around. And so I was very, very blessed that, that Elizabeth McCall wrote that story and, uh, and I provided the pictures for it. And so that really launched Reckless back. And so suddenly people were able to, they felt like I did. Why have we not heard about this horse? And I think I figured out the reason for that um, in my book. I talk about, um, there was a book written in 1955 by Lieutenant Colonel Andrew Gear, And Andrew Gear was a big um, author back in his day. And he was actually a commanding officer of the uh, second, um, let's see, the, with the Recoilish Rifle Platoon. He was one of the commanding officers of that platoon. So he saw Reckless and what she did. And he, his books were like, uh, and he had movies made with John Wayne. Uh, yeah, Sands of Iwo Jima and Barrier Reef and all these, but he was a very prolific writer back in his day. Well, he wrote the very first book on Reckless and it came out in 1955. He actually wrote the very first article on Reckless that uh, got Reckless home. He, uh, it was written in 1954, it came out in April of 1954. And uh, it had a beautiful, the iconic picture of Reckless with Joe Latham on the, in, on the cover of the, the article. And at the end of it, the very few last few paragraphs, it talks about Reckless being stuck on the hills of Korea. And there was a national outcry to get her home. 
people sent letters to the Marine Corps, to the Department of Defense, you know, they, they said, get this horse home. So Andrew Gear, um, he had a friend who had a shipping line who called him up and said, my kids won't let me in the house if I don't do everything I can to get Reckless home. So if you can get her to Japan, I'll ship her for free. But you have to put up a stall in, in her feed and everything, but we'll ship her for free. So he put up $1,200 of his own money and they uh, got Reckless to Japan and uh, she landed in America on Marine Corps birthday on 1954, which was just amazing. But Andrew Gear was, was there. And so when she ate her blanket on the way home, you know, coming home, right? So he had to quickly scramble and get her another blanket. And so it's really cute. I have some pictures in my book. You see him trying to get the new blanket on her and pin her chevrons on her and all of this. So she could look really presentable at, at the, she was the belle of the ball that night. And um, so he was really her champion. He was her press agent. Um, he, he really wrote that first book. And then in 57, I think it was, he uh, had melanoma. Mm -hmm. And he died, uh, I think it's in 58 or 59. It's in my book, I can't remember when. And so she lost her person. She lost her press agent. She lost the one person that saw what her story was and did everything he could to make sure that her story was memorialized as best as he could. And had he lived, I guarantee you, there would have been a movie on her story. Right. Um, but sadly, he, he passed away. So now it's fallen on my shoulders. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I see one out there for sure. Right. <laughs> Everyone loves a good hero movie, especially when it's true. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. And you can make this stuff good up. Movie and it's, it's just an amazing yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the fact that she does come home, she comes home to America and she lives out her days at Camp Pendleton. It's, it's just a, a wonderful, heroic story, you know? And so I, I, I feel confident that I'll find the right people to either do a series, TV series on her or uh, a movie. They're out story. there. Yeah. 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 So hopefully fingers crossed Absolutely. It's on the vision tree. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. I can do that for sure. For sure. I love this story. I've told it to so many people since I knew oh, Thank you. Definitely. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait to have this out there just for people to see and, and yeah. learn even more about it. Yeah. Of course, yeah. people it has been around forever, you know, they, they don't know these stories. And I know, I know. Reengages you with the horse. It, it makes you, uh, it builds that passion back, you know, right, right. In a different way. And because she was such a character, you know, Absolutely. she was such a character. She'd sleep in the men's tents at night, you know, and and she, as I said, she loved to have a beer with them. Sometimes she'd have a few too many, you know, <laughs> like a good parade. You know? But she, you know, one guy talks about uh, with the armistice when the armistice was signed, and they're all celebrating that he could still see her kind of walking sideways, you know, around camp because she had a few too many and. Uh, but you know, God love her. You know, she she was uh, she wasn't a horse. She was a marine. You know, Absolutely. so her words were spoken. <laughs> Absolutely, she did her job for sure. Yes, she did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and at the end of the show, we're going to put all your contacts so when people want to. Oh, thank you. The book and find out more information and and go to the website sure. on Facebook. It's just great. The website is terrific. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, yeah COVID. I, I had time on my hands, so I just re uh, I just updated it. So it, it's wonderful, good. and the pictures are great. They're so yeah. interesting. Yeah. Oh, I know. I and you know, GoDaddy has a really great little site that you know they make it easy to put these things up, and which to me was invaluable. So you just a picture says a thousand words, and it gets you identified. And and some of those pictures are in the book, and uh, a lot more a lot of more different ones are in the book. I have a, over 130 pictures in the I'm book. Yeah, so it's really cool. So. Yeah. And you wrote a new book. I did. Yes. We want to talk about animals that. of World War II. We have the war dogs. We have the war horses. There's a few war horses in there. Uh, the war birds, the pigeons that were so amazing with what they were able to do. And there's even a war cat named Simon. But uh, it, yeah, really cool stories. And and, and again, you know, um, these animals have inspired me uh, to want to uh, do a museum in their honor. And uh, it's, uh, my, I have a friend that's helping me with this, the International War Animals Museum, 
or you can come and learn the history of all these animals. And by learning their stories, you learn about the men and women that served with them and learn how since the beginning of time with Hannibal and the elephants, you know, we've been using animals in some form or another in battle. And so it's, they're just amazing stories. And um, so we're very, very excited about that. And then last November, we instituted a brand new Medal of Bravery for animals. It's the Animals in War and Peace Medal of Bravery. And uh, the ceremony was up on Capitol Hill in Washington, DC. And members of Congress presented the medals to eight animals. Of course, even though the Korean War was the third war, um, Sergeant Reckless got medal number one because I had some pull. <laughs> so, I, I wanted to name it the Sergeant Reckless Award, but I wanted her to get the award, and exactly. I didn't think that she could, so, so <laughs> we were able to do that. So we're looking to possibly have this uh, a congressionally mandated medal, um, but if, if, that, if it never becomes that, that's okay. We're just pushing through and, uh, and doing, uh, honoring these animals that have served our country, the war birds and the dogs, even the dogs today uh, that are serving, so incredible. Um, it's, uh, it's just really, really cool. And I love giving talks, Scott, when I, I get up in the morning and I'm almost giddy because I know after I give a presentation, I, and I say this, I said, I guarantee everybody in this room is gonna walk out with a skip in their step and a smile on their face because they're gonna learn about history through the eyes of these incredible animals. And it is so endearing, because uh, I'm sure people that come to that are animal lovers in some way or fashion. And, uh, and it's true, they just, they just really get a joy out of learning these stories. And so um, I just feel very, very blessed, uh, uh, blessed to be a part of it and bring their stories uh, to the forefront. Well, we appreciate that so much. And their stories deserve to be heard. And Yeah, they do. It's so entertaining. And it is, more than that, just inspirational. Yeah, you they know, are. Done and they really are. You know, they had no voice and they had no choice. And yet they served as heroically as the men and women that they were with. And uh, they would give it their all. And some people say, well, they're scared. You know, they don't, they don't have. And I'm like, no, they don't. They're, they perform because they know that's what their handler wants them to do, especially the dogs, you know, the birds, that might be a little bit different, but still they home back to their uh, home loft uh, because they, they, they actually, they actually want to get back to their home loft because usually they have a mate that that's waiting for them at the home loft. That seriously, this is true. I didn't know this about pigeons, but they mate for life. And what they did during World War II, this is, this is what I found out on my research, is they found that they could get a pigeon to fly faster home if right before they took the pigeon out of the loft, they introduced a new male pigeon <laughs> to oh the loft. Seriously. They homed basically because they were jealous of this new man in their loft. And I just fell in love with that story. I just That's thought a great it was, story. <laughs> get, get home, home. with the wife. Gotta get home. <laughs> uh, uh, how funny. I know. I know. You can't make this stuff up. No, you know? I'm so glad you wrote it down and put it in a book so we can. Thank you. It. Yeah. Absolutely. It's it, it, well, fun. Really. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Oh, it has been a pleasure. It's so much fun. And, uh, you know, it's fun to talk to somebody who has a love of horses and animals and really digs the stuff. And, you know, it's, you just can talk all day about these things, you know, so. Absolutely. Well, I keep looking over your shoulder at, at that, at, at Sergeant Rick, going up that hill. Oh, yeah, that that's from my book cover. And yeah. I know I was about to close the show, but I keep looking at that. And can you imagine one day doing that 51 times? No, In no, not time. with all this weight. Yeah in the middle of all this chaos. And uh, one of her handlers, Harold Wadley, who saw her in action on her most heroic day said, he said he saw her in the flare light of, it was like 4th of July, you know? And he said in the flare light, he could see this small struggling mare trying to get up the hill. He said, there must've been an angel riding the back of that horse that day for her to even make it down the hill. And uh, he never thought he'd see her again, and then he did. And he was just absolutely stunned that he that he did. But it's true. I think there was an angel on her back that day. 
What a great way to end the show. Thank you oh, so thanks. much. I want to thank well, God everyone. bless you. It was such thank a great, great time visiting with you. You thank too. You so thank you so much. Absolutely. God bless. Take care and hope to talk to you again soon. Definitely. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Tom. Thank you for joining part one of the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. For more information, visit us online at cowboyentrepreneur.com. Now back to the show and thank you for listening. I'm Scott Knutson with the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show, heard on KCAA Wednesdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. And who doesn't want to start their workday off in the best possible way? I certainly do. How about starting with some great basics? The foundation, underwear and undershirts. Underwear has often been an afterthought, especially for us men. We never think about it at all, but I never have. I can tell you from personal experience, the clothes you wear will feel much better if you have the right underwear. It gives you that extra edge of confidence. And who doesn't want confidence? And you'll look better too. The company Wood Underwear makes great underwear that is approachable and accessible. At the right price point, you can feel comfortable buying it and wearing it. They're having some fun with the name. And while the, the name might bring you in, the product's going to bring you back. It is a great material, and I use it every day. My friends at Wood want you to try it. So they came up with a promo code just for Cowboy Entrepreneur listeners. Use the code COWBOYBRIEF at checkout on woodunderwear.com for 20% off your first order. I guarantee you're going to like it. This offer ends August 31st. I know you're not going to wait that long. Woodunderwear.com. Use the promo code COWBOYBRIEF for 20% off this amazing product, Wood Underwear. Getting a degree at Tarleton State University doesn't mean going it alone. Your family from the moment you arrive, with faculty and staff dedicated to your success and personal growth. Explore more than 100 undergraduate and graduate degree options in Stephenville, Fort Worth, Waco, Midlothian, Rellis Bryan, and online. Scholarships are available. Discover what it means to be a Texan. Visit tarleton.edu forward slash become a Texan. I'm Scott Knutson with the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show here weekly, Wednesdays, 6 p.m. Pacific on KCAA. And I love American history. Who doesn't? I enjoy reading about those early pioneers that left family and friends in the East and headed to the West in hopes of making their fortunes. The stories captured the minds and are a great example of the American spirit that made this country great. The state of California had its beginnings up in a little mountain town in Northern California called Truckee. The immigrants on their way west went right through what is now downtown along the old Dutch flat wagon road. The story of this old Wild West town is a fascinating one. And if you're interested like I am in these old stories, you might want to take a look at taking the haunted Truckee Ghost Walk. It's definitely not your typical ghost hunting adventure, but rather takes you back in the dates of California's earliest beginnings. Next time you're up there, check it out. Tickets and information are available on their website hauntedtrucky.com. People are loving this tour and it's receiving some great reviews. Again, the website to get tickets is hauntedtrucky.com. Hi everybody, I'm Scott Knutson. Thanks for joining us today. I want to introduce you to a very special lady, a great businesswoman, and her name is Ada Gates. And uh, it's such a pleasure and such an honor to be here with you today. And, and first, I want to talk about, so how did you start? I mean, what was um, growing up like in, in New York? Well, Scott, I was one of eight children, and I grew up in a big, big house on three acres of woods and gardens. And I, four years old, I said, I want a pony. I want a pony. <laughs> and my mother, you know, she had all these children. They all wanted something, right? Sure. She got so sick and tired of listening to me whine. She rented a pony for me, and we were both 36 inches high. Oh, my God. And I started riding little black Shetland pony Rosie, and I never looked back. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Such a great story. And I was reading on your body, like, when, where you grew up, y'all were with the Kennedys and this lifestyle that was just incredible. Well, North Shore Long Island was sort of a gold coast, and there were a lot of sort of rich people with big houses and estates and horses and I went fox hunting and and went in horse shows and um, because there were so many brothers and sisters one of my sister uh, sisters was Jackie Kennedy's roommate awesome. 
at Miss Porter's school and then was her classmate at Vassar. So we knew Jackie from the beginning and then she married Jack when, and he was a young senator. And my mother and father knew them and they were with them a lot. So we were great friends. Such a great story and what a way to grow up. Yes. And, and, and so uh, Ada was a model. And I saw the pictures, and, and they're beautiful. Thank you. And uh, so tell us about that. So going from the modeling world to the horse world, starting with being a model. Well, because I was in New York City, and it was this great mecca of theater and dance and, and music, I just jumped in with both front feet. And I thought, well, I was going to be rich and famous, and people were going to applaud for me on stage. No. <laughs> no, no, no. They do that now. <laughs> there was a lot of rejection and so when a girlfriend said well why don't we go on a car trip out west I said well you know I'm sort of hitting a dead wall here so uh, you know so why don't we just do that so we get in the car and we drive out west and we end up in Vail Colorado and I said wow this is beautiful this is the rock I've never been west of Hoboken <laughs> so she went back to New York and I stayed there and I bought a horse and I said, well, um, I gotta get a horseshoer. And I couldn't find anybody. I found this cowboy and he was so drunk, he oh could my. not get out of his truck. Oh my. I said, you're not shoeing my horse. No. So I found a horseshoer and he said, well, Ada, uh, I can't make a living here. I'm gonna move away. And I was desperate. So I saw this article about a horseshoeing school in Oklahoma. So I said, well, what the heck? I'm gonna go to the school. I will learn how to shoe my horse and then I won't have this problem anymore. Right. That's how that started. That's such a great story, how Thank it just transitioned you. for you. Well, I just didn't know any better. You know, I never knew what was going to happen next. Right. You That's know, fun, I, though, I isn't it? I didn't have a plan. I've never had a plan. <laughs> that's so wonderful. And I, I think that's the best part about it, when you found that, that niche yeah. and what your passion was, you just yeah. went for it. Yeah. Well, the great thing was I was living in Colorado, and all those dance muscles from years and years of dance all came into play and held me up as a, as a horseshoe. Oh, that is awesome. It's yeah, a tough living, but it's so yeah. rewarding. It's a great living. Yes. What I love is you're with the horse all day. Yeah, I can't beat that. No, can't you know that, that. Yes, man. Oh, I love it so much. I really do. And the people sure. around the industry is what's so great. Um, so, Rosebow Parade. So, what, how did you get affiliated? And, and, and let's tell them what you do. Well, um, I'm the horseshoe inspector for the Tournament of Roses Rose Parade, January 1st, every year. 200 horses go down six miles of pavement on Colorado Boulevard and prior to my coming on board they were slipping and falling down and so they asked me to write specifications of what the horses needed to wear so they didn't slip and then to uh, enact it you know be make check all the horses to right. make sure they were compliant so I've been doing that for I don't know how many 20 years I don't know such a great deal. So I check 200 horses before they go down the parade. So so New Year's Day you're working? Yes. If you're not taking oh, off no, the no, holiday. No, no New work. Year's Day, 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh, I'm, my I'm goodness. down there. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and uh, so, so your newest thing you're doing, yeah. we were talking about kind of how it started and now what, where it's gone to literally all over the world. Well, the funny thing was when I first started out in the uh, early 70s, Men wanted nothing to do with me. Horseshoers wouldn't let me be an apprentice. I couldn't imagine that. The ranchers didn't want me to shoe their horses. No, 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 no. So my first jobs were housewives calling me up in Colorado saying, would you come and shoe my daughter's pony? Sure. So all those years <laughs> of, of lots of rejections, but of course I came to California and it was a different culture. They, they didn't reject me. So now I go out and tell the boys what to do. People call me and say, I have a lame horse. Oh, where are you? Well, my horse is in Panama. I said, no problem. Do you have a telephone that makes a video on it? Fine. Well, we're going to shoe the horse on the telephone. Fine. And I'm going to send you this little package. It's got a little ruler in it. And you're going to have somebody shoe the horse. And I'm going to look at it from here and look at the horse being shod in Panama. And I'm going to tell you what to do. So the horse goes from lame to sound and starts winning races. In another country? In another country. I've shot horses in Panama, Brazil, Holland, Keeneland, oh, wow. Indiana, 
all on the phone in my nightie in my four-poster bed. That's the way to right there. That's what you wanted to create a business like that. Yeah, yeah. How incredible. Yeah, yeah. So we were just talking about one of your great friends in the industry. You've known him for a while. Yes. And, and the story you were just saying, could, would you mind just letting the audience sit, hear that story? Well, Monty Roberts is, I think, one of the finest horsemen that ever walked the earth. And I always wanted to shoe for him when he was at the racetrack. And he'd bring in like 80 horses for the two-year-old training sale. So I went up to him one day, and he was on this beautiful big stallion with this big cowboy hat and chaps. And I went up to him, and I said, hi, Monty. <laughs> I'm at the gates. I'd like to shoe your horses. <laughs> and he looked down at me. What? He said, well, let me see if I can, so let me see, show you, show me what you can do. So they bring a horse out and I look at the horse walk and, and I put the horse's foot between my knees and I start to shoe the horse and he rides off. Oh no. I said, Monty, I thought you were gonna watch me shoe this horse. He said, I can already tell you know what you're doing. <laughs> So I've been his horseshoe ever since. Lifelong friends. Yeah, since the late 70s, we really are. We honor each other. We respect each other's work. And and um, it's been an honor to be part of his work. That's so wonderful, that, that story and the relationship for so long. That's, that's right. Something to be cherished for well, sure. Well, the horse keeps us together. Yes, it does. See, yeah. yes, and it he does. taught me the language of the horse. Right. I learned how the horse expresses himself, whether he's good, comfortable, or miserable. And Monty taught me that. That's so wonderful. So how did you get to the racetrack? Well, I came to California and I thought, I want to break into the big time. Oh God, there's Santa Anita. How am I going to get in? So I go and I apply to Harry Patton. He's the head of the union and I have to apply to him to take my test to get licensed. Right. So I asked, I said, Harry, would you help me learn what I need to know to take the test? He said, sure. I said, what? You said yes. <laughs> so how many women were doing this? Not to interrupt. Oh, nobody. Exactly. So, there were okay. no women and no man had ever said yes to me. So they had all said, the get out of here, girlie. <laughs> You're not riding in my truck with me. So Harry said yes. He coached me. I took the test. And in 1977, I became, I passed. I became the first woman in the United States and Canada licensed to shoe thoroughbred racehorses. First woman ever. That I'm in, Harry teaches me how to fix hitting horses. So, no, what was our next question? I can't remember. Uh, oh yeah, David Letterman, mm -hmm. okay, okay. So I have this career, right? And I'm shooing big fa fancy horses and they're winning Eclipse Awards and all that stuff. So the David Letterman show calls me up. They see me in magazines and said, well, we want you to come and shoe a horse with David Letterman. I said, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I go to New York, we get a horse, we shoe the horse. And if you go on YouTube to David Letterman and Ada Gates, or Ada Gates Patton. Ada, Ada oh, Gates by the Patton. way, I married my mentor. I married Howie Patton. <laughs> Best thing I ever did. Oh, Wonderful awesome. man. So if you go there, you'll see the funniest four and a half minutes on television. It is hilarious. You're going to love watching it. Yeah. And I don't think he was through with the scene. He followed y'all out. No, he did. <laughs> and it looked like he didn't want it to stop. No, because he, the horse was upstaging him. Yes, it was. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> So he didn't like yeah. that for sure. Well, it's his show. Yes, yeah. exactly. His show. So the glass ceiling, you really broke the glass ceiling. There were no women. There was no women and in the industry. I just didn't know any better. It's what I wanted to do. And the guys in California did not kick me out. How awesome is that? I, I was, it was an honor to work in their league to be with the top farriers in the United States. It really was an honor all my life. So what's the best way for people to get a hold of you if they have a shoeing issue or if they need help or just want to find out more about you? Well, what's the best way? Um, I'm Ada Gates and my cell phone is 626-327-3650. I don't have a website. I'm, I'm on Facebook, but I never know how to run with Facebook. I understood. I don't know. But how else can you get and we'll, me? We'll put your information okay. at the end of the video okay. as well so people sure. can find you. And, sure. And uh, that'd be great because people I know are going to want to talk to you. And Thank you, Scott. It's so great. It's so Thank great you. visiting with you, too. And well, I love meeting you. Oh, my goodness. She's so sweet. We've had so much fun just studying yes. about her life, and it's been an incredible life. And if I could do half of what she's done, it's, oh. it's going to be a good deal. So thank you for being with us. Thank you, Scott. God bless you. you thank, you. thank you. Thank you, dear. Thanks a lot.
We'd like to thank all the great sponsors of the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. And if you're interested in being a sponsor, please call our office at 830-992-1786 and visit our website, cowboyentrepreneur.com. Getting a degree at Tarleton State University doesn't mean going it alone. You're family from the moment you arrive, with faculty and staff dedicated to your success and personal growth. Explore more than 100 undergraduate and graduate degree options in Stephenville, Fort Worth, Waco, Midlothian, Rellis Bryan, and online. Scholarships are available. Discover what it means to be a Texan. Visit tarleton.edu forward slash become a Texan. This is Scott Knutson with the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show, heard Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Pacific on KCAA. So we're going to talk to some, about something right now that's so important to us men. I'm going to talk about underwear for a second. Think about it. Women have everything. Men had either the 12-pack for $20 or the high-priced kind we can maybe only wear for a special occasion, if ever. It's time to upgrade from the packs. Wood underwear. Yes, I said wood underwear. It's a great place to start. And there is wood in the fabric. It's wood that makes wood special. And yes, you're hearing a lot of puns, kind of funny, but it's serious. It's pretty intentional. They are having some fun with the name. Wood wants to get every man into a great pair of underwear that he can feel and look great in and feel great about the price as well. My friends at Wood did something for the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. They want you to try it. So use Cowboy Brief at checkout on Wood Underwear. WoodUnderwear.com, Cowboy Brief, 20% off your first order. Good until August 31st. With 60 years of fascinating facts, this is the man from yesterday. And back in time we go to this time in 1967. A worldwide search is on for a new James Bond, according to producer Albert Brockley. Sean Connery no longer wants the part of Bond, James Bond. I admire your courage, Miss... Uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck, Mr... Bond. James Bond. And from July of 1996, Will Smith is making the rounds to promote his new movie, Independence Day. Good to see you again. And could it be any better to talk about a movie like Independence Day? Well, I'm, I'm hearing that people are enjoying it. Yes. <laughs> so I, I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to see it at, at the L.A. premiere with my family. And from about this time in 1982, Saturday morning cartoon The Smurfs is hitting big ratings on NBC TV, drawing audience shares around 40%. NBC says it wants to expand the hour cartoon to 90 minutes this fall. It's the most popular Saturday morning show in America. As the Smurfs continue to face, then it's the Gary Coleman Show. We now return to the Smurfs Christmas Special. With more at manfromyesterday.com. And I can introduce you to him. Go in the washroom, look in the mirror. And you're KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. Mm. 